This week's guest is Peter Locke. Peter knows the banking industry like the back of his hand. Starting his career at NAB as a corporate account manager, Peter has held senior roles at Commonwealth Bank as state manager, managing director of Victoria for St George Bank, COO of Bank of Melbourne, and in 2015 was appointed as CEO of Heritage Bank. Peter's career is a great example of how lateral thinking is rewarded within these large corporations and how to go about achieving promotions within these large companies. Peter's knowledge of the banking sector in Australia is immense and he now heads up one of Australia's more interesting banks given that Heritage has recently merged with People's Choice Credit Union to create Australia's leading member-owned banking organisation. Heritage Bank and People's Choice provides innovative banking products to its members. They maintain dual head offices in Toowoomba and Adelaide with 95 branches across South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland and the NT. They have operational assets valued at over $23 billion with over 1,900 team members. Hello and welcome back to The Business Of. I'm Will. And I'm Charlie. On today's podcast, we unpack Peter's successful career and his journey to his current role as CEO of Heritage Bank. We gain some great career advice from the learnings of Peter's progression through his career. We hear how Peter gained the role of CEO of Heritage Bank, which was a pretty funny story. And finally, we learn all about Heritage Bank and its different service offerings. We hope you enjoy. Okay, hello and welcome back to the business of. Today we are very lucky to be joined by Peter Locke, Heritage Bank CEO. How are you, Peter? Very well, thank you. That's great. So we might get straight into it, Peter. So a question we'd like to start out asking our guests is what was their first job? As there's probably a good story behind it or you might have learned something <laughs> that you kept throughout your career. So we might start with that, yeah. My, uh, my first job wasn't in banking, so uh, I, didn't set, I didn't set out to be a banker at all. Um, I actually set out to have a career in industrial relations. So, oh, right. oh, wow. So my, my first job was actually uh, in the oil and gas industry, uh, working for the South Australian government, statutory authority, and uh, they were um, the transporters of uh, natural gas and uh, oil from um, or the liquids from the Moomba gas fields uh, into the power plants of uh, South Australia to Torrens Island. Um, so I was just a clerical officer there, but really interested in um, industrial relations. So after a bit of a false start at uni doing economics, um, <laughs> I then went and did business uh, yeah. and did a business degree majoring in personnel and industrial relations. Mm -hmm. uh, I did that part-time for four years and then... Uh, resigned from work and went full-time to complete uh, my degree and fell into banking quite by accident. It was just a, a campus interview, uh, walked past campus interview and they were interviewing for um, for the National Australia Bank. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I went along for an interview for that and I got a job for that and never in a million years did I think of banking as a career. Mm. But uh, it looked like an interesting job. It was a job. Um, <laughs> it, it, um, it had a couple of weeks interstate travel in, in it. I was in South Australia at the time and had a 
three-week living course in Melbourne. I thought that's pretty good. I thought I'd just do that for until I uh, got the job I was looking for and I applied for you know, Port Hedland and Mount Isa and things like that to work in the mines yeah, oh, yeah. in industrial relations. But uh, I got into banking and I went over to Melbourne and um, into this course and fell in love with it. I thought this is pretty good. So um, I stayed from uh, from then on. So the thing that really interests me about it was they gave you a course in the morning of basic banking and in the afternoon they brought a whole lot of people in to talk about career opportunities. Mm. And we just got uh, exposed to wonderful people who had magnificent careers all over the world mm. working for one organisation. It's quite different now, but and that, this was back in um, the mid-'80s. So um, you just heard from these people who had been the head of marketing, the head of HR, the head of lending, being head of the bank in New York or uh, Los Angeles and or London, mm. and, and they'd been with the same organisation and there was this camaraderie and pride and uh, thought that's pretty cool. Wanted to be a part of that, so um, oh, for sure. I was really interested. For sure, and I guess Peter, one of the things I find really interesting about um, your move from um, South Australia to Victoria, um, I imagine you were relatively young when you made that move. Um, can you speak to some of those mm. um, some of those considerations you had as a as a young man? Mm. You know, early on in your career, probably looking to build your foundations um, as socially with your friends, all sorts of things. Can you speak to that challenge? I That first job that I had was as a junior clerk and I had five years in the same job without changing title or, or anything. So, you know, the, the bottom run and had a great time. Mm. I was having, you know, just out of school, um, but then working out that I needed to do something. Um, it, a bit of a slow developer that way, but you know, eventually sort of thought, well, it's time to you know, crack, crack on with uh, what I needed to do. So going back to uni was important. Uh, starting off in the bank was important as well. So by that stage, I was 23, I think, mm. um, when I had graduated and um, – so I was probably two years older than the average graduate at that yeah. stage, um, but I had work experience. I also had a great opportunity at uni to uh, go on a study, I guess, a penultimate year um, uh, opportunity over in London. Oh, wow. Uh, which was a sort of a scholarship Um that was offered through uni, and I got that, uh, um, but I didn't take it. Uh, so it was basically I had this opportunity to go and, and work only for you know, eight, eight or might be ten weeks in London. I was paid uh, over with another bank, um, but I had to get over there, no accommodation like that, the stipend while you were. Um, throwing in his work experience. Mm. But I, I didn't take that because I thought, no, I'd already wasted a bit of time and I mm. had a job. So I went into that job, threw myself into it, uh, just got married in the next year. So at 24, my wife and I uh, moved from Adelaide to Melbourne. 
mm. uh, as part of the graduate program. And by that stage, I was taken out of the normal banking program of the National Bank and put into their corporate development program. Oh, nice. Uh, corporate banking development program. And as part of that, I was fast-tracked through corporate banking and um, then put over into the National Bank uh, headquarters in Melbourne yeah. and rotated through a lot of the divisions. Um, and then eventually out of that um, came out as a junior corporate finance manager. Um, so it's sort of like an 18-month period where they brought you up to your first corporate managerial role so it was a it was a big move so we upstakes just married upstakes moved over to, to melbourne um and then started uh started our life um over in, in melbourne had to buy uh buy a house get involved with um the new community make new friends um and it takes a little while to do that but a lot of people did it at the same time, so you were yeah. uh, involved with other graduates that had moved. And mm. We're still friends with people um, that we met that first day that we moved into Melbourne and into the accommodation that they had for us, and we met a couple who were doing exactly the same thing from Queensland, uh, and they just moved down from Queensland. We met them in the laundry mat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Of the townhouse, and we've and we've been friends with them ever since. Still friends with them today. There you go. And then so <laughs> small world. Yeah. And then so Peter, um, I guess like the next phase of your career was um, we ended up becoming a GM of corporate banking at Combank, and then you were MD at St George, and then CEO and head of corporate banking at the Bank of Melbourne. Can you talk through that period? So that, that was, that's probably like a what seven year span. Can you talk us through that period? Uh, that a little, was the period little bit longer. Were, yeah. A little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit longer than that. I did um, a stint at the NAB uh, in corporate banking, and then got um, a little homesick. We, my wife, uh, was pregnant with our first child, so and I got a great opportunity for a job back in Adelaide um, with the State Government Insurance Commission doing uh, financial risk insurance. Yeah. So that also had the promise of a six-month stint in New York. Oh, nice. Um, so that was pretty good. So, Wait, so what, we took, what were you doing in New York for that job? Yeah. Well, yeah that was, what did that entail? That was um, it, that didn't actually happen, unfortunately. So <laughs> when we, we went back, it entailed it was supposed to be working with um, a partner insurance company in New York. My boss went over um, and did his stint, uh, and then when it was my turn, um, oh no. The 1990s sort of recession happened. Oh, so yeah. everything, everything turned um, you know, around pretty uh, pretty dramatically from there. So that was a disappointment. But we came back to Adelaide, um, had four or so years working for the State Government Insurance Commission and got a lot of um, good experience. And the experience I got there was actually working with boards. So I was working directly with and presenting to the board um, and presenting to the, the South Australian government, uh, treasury departments as well. Oh, wow. Uh, so then I got seconded into South Australian treasury, um, for the sale of the state bank of South Australia and uh, the state government insurance commission. Uh, I got offered to take a permanent position within, um, South Australian treasury, yep. but I didn't like it. 
uh, and I wanted to get back to banking. So I actually went back to the National Australia Bank um, back in Adelaide. I was the business development manager for South Australia and the Northern Territory as well as being a business banker. And then um, uh, I did my MBA. So oh, wow. at, at that stage determined that um, you needed to get some additional um study behind you so i've got a bachelor of business i've got a, a graduate diploma in, in um, corporate finance and uh, i did an mba yeah, so wow. once i completed the mba uh, there was a job for i found uh, just advertising the financial review for mm-hmm. uh, the commonwealth bank um, yeah. for cash flow financing so oh, yeah. i applied applied to that uh, in fact a couple of us applied for that and um uh, me and a mate from the National Bank um, took that on. I got the head of role for that in Victoria, so I moved the family again back to Melbourne um, with the Combank, and yeah. that was uh, that was a good that was a really good role. Mm. Um, Talk us through we, cash flow financing if you can, Peter. Just when when you get the chance, because it sounds to me it sounds to me like that probably really sort of tickled your fancy a bit. Yeah, Kat, it was um, basically financing against the cash flow of the business. So, uh, and which all bankers should do. You know, that's that's the way that you actually lend money. You lend yeah. money uh, against the business, not against um, the value of the asset. So you've got to actually determine um, how strong the business is, and then you take security against the assets of the business and the soft assets of the business, as well as the uh, yeah, fixed yeah. assets of the business. So it was. Um, uh, innovative form of finance that the CBA established there and I set up the Victorian team to do that wow. uh, and then set that up uh, successfully and then was asked to do a whole lot of other departments within uh, Victoria as well. So I got the opportunity to, and uh, through my career actually, to set up a whole lot of divisions that hadn't been done before. So from there, I set up the business development team um, for uh, the CBA in Victoria, and then we got asked to take over the CBSC um, uh, asset financing division as well, um, and then got promoted into the regional uh, manager for business banking for Victoria and Tasmania, then the general manager of business banking yep. for Victoria and Tasmania, and then the general manager of corporate. Uh, banking for Vic in Tasmania. Uh, and at that stage, I got um, a, uh, a phone call asking me about um, St. George. So I had worked with um, Gail Kelly yeah. in the Commonwealth Bank, and she had just moved over to be the head of St. George yeah. um, and took a few people uh, from that she used from the CBA over as well. And... Um, after a little while, I got uh, approached to head up St. George for Victoria. So took that role then. Mm. Um, and that was that was a really great role as well. So I got these uh, opportunities to work with great people, uh, opportunities to establish new divisions, um, and opportunities to work with great customers as well. Yeah. And then so I guess we'll fast forward a bit. And then in 2015, you find yourself in your current role. 
So we, along with our listeners, are very interested in the process for attaining that role. Can you run us through this, especially <laughs> given Heritage Bank is obviously very much a community-oriented bank rather than one that's sort of held accountable by you know, shareholders and investors. So can you run us through that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was then out of banking. Uh, so I left the Bank of Melbourne in 2013. Yeah. So I did my own consulting uh, for a while. Um, and my uh, expertise was dealing with privately owned businesses that uh, wanted to corporatize, basically, become a little bit more sophisticated. Yeah. So I had a lot of customers that were um, ringing me up and asking me for assistance oh, okay. uh, and advice. So I, I started um, my own little business there called Parkside Parts, yeah. uh, which was a sort of corporate advisory. Um, and that was doing quite well, but I was still interested in uh, banking and executive roles within banking. So I kept my eye out. I looked at a couple. I got um, interviewed for quite a few jobs and rung up for quite a few jobs, but I came second in quite a lot of those um, interview processes. Uh, and that was quite challenging. That was a yeah. time where um, you were sort of pulled to go back into the executive roles mm. or following um, my own business, which was going very well. And mm. I was getting uh, opportunities for non-executive director roles as well. So it was at the point of, do you continue that or move on into the non-executive field or you, you do, you keep on looking at executive roles. And uh, I was basically at the point of saying, no, I'm just going to, I'm not going to bother about going back into banking executive roles anymore. I've got, I've got a business I'm happy. Mm. When I opened up the Fin Review one day and there was just this ad. Um, Another ad in the Fin Review, Peter. <laughs> just an ad in the Fin Review. Yeah. And it was for the Chief Executive Officer of Heritage uh, Bank. <laughs> Uh, handy and, roll <laughs> and i i didn't know anything about the bank really um it was headquartered in toowoomba um yeah. i didn't really know where toowoomba was i hadn't been there um <laughs> i knew it was in queensland but no everything in queensland in my mind was on the beach that's um, very much not the beach yeah, yeah. and toowoomba isn't the beach yeah. um so but I, you know, I knew, I obviously heard of the bank, but I didn't know very much about it and looked at it and thought, well, this is pretty interesting. It was big. You know, it was one of the larger ones in the sector. And I was very interested in the sector. I had my, my eye on the customer-owned sector because I thought it was pretty interesting and attuned to my values. So I came out for an interview, um, and that was um, really interesting. It was just tr tr a traditional you applied to, it wasn't through a consultancy, uh, it was just direct to the bank. Um, so very, very unusual. I've been through a lot of these interviews and they're all through recruitment agencies. This one was direct to the bank. Mm. Um, so I applied directly to the bank and I got a reply. I came up for an interview with the selection panel, which was the chair and the deputy chair and one other board person. Um, that was my first meeting, uh, and I didn't get a good vibe from that. Um, oh, wow. From the meeting, I thought, well, you know, it was the interview didn't seem to go particularly well, um, in in my opinion. So <laughs> uh, after the interview, the only the only sort of connection I felt that I had 
that stage is walking out of the meeting with the chairman walking me to the lift and <laughs> we got we got talking about cricket because uh, there was a cricket bat you know um, a display cricket bat um, on the wall so I was commenting that and talking about that and that's the only time I thought you know I had a connection uh, <laughs> at all so I came there away from that rang up my wife and said well you know that's not going to go anywhere um, <laughs> well, they like cricket so uh, came back and got a call saying, can you come up again for another um, another interview? And I'd been through this process many times and I thought, well, this is going to be you know, five interviews and site tests and all the rest of it. Yeah. So we were umming and ahhing about whether uh, my wife Jackie should come up to Toowoomba for the second interview and in the end we said, we'll come up for the weekend and have a look. Um, so we came up... Uh, on a Saturday, spent Saturday and Sunday in Toowoomba. And Sunday morning, we got a call from the chairman. He said you know, he'd like to have a cup of coffee with us. He didn't. He didn't um, ask you to go for a net session and <laughs> no, have a hit of cricket. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so had a coffee uh, in the uh, on Sunday, and that turned out to probably be more of an interview with my wife uh. um, than uh, than me. <laughs> um, but it was it was a nice coffee. Uh, came in on the Monday for a very very quick uh, twenty or thirty minute um, interview, uh, and um, and yeah, and and shortly after, yeah, you've got the job. That oh, was it. Wow. So two two interviews, um, a very very quick traditional process, yeah, um, which was delightful. It was awesome, a really. Yeah really um, old-fashioned way of doing it, mm. and it has worked out very, very well, I think, for all of us. Mm. So it's been, it's been a great move for us. We've loved it. No, it certainly, certainly has worked out well for Heritage Bank. Um, can you provide an overview of Heritage Bank's mission, as it probably is quite unique to many other banks? And I guess, so Will and I, when we were preparing for the podcast, we've, yeah, we just found the way you guys operate very interestingly, uh, very interesting. Yeah, so could you talk us through that? Sure. Well, the, the easiest way to think about it is there are, there are a lot of banks in Australia uh, and a lot of choices, but mm. there are really only two choices uh, that Australians can make. You can bank with a bank that is a listed for-profit bank mm. um, or you can bank with a customer-owned bank. So there's yeah. two choices. And the differences are that listed banks have a conflicted model. They exist... Um, in law to serve the interests of their shareholders, not their customers. So their director's job is to do the right thing by shareholders. So their job is to maximise profits. Uh, And we've seen that they're very good at that. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that model. They're very, very well-run banks, but they are conflicted. Um, And they can't put the customer first. They can't say that they are for purpose because they are for profit. Mm. Um, and their purpose is profit. With a customer-owned uh, bank, where there's no conflict, our members are our shareholders. Mm. We don't pay dividends. The money goes back to the bank, back to the community, back to strengthening um, uh, our features and benefits of our products so that our members benefit consistently. So while we don't pay a dividend, um, we do consistently try and put that benefit back 
into products and services, and not only products and services, but also uh, our community obligations. So they're very, very different models. They're pure models. Yeah, we like to think that the customer-owned model um, is you know, basically run by the good guys of banking. We'd say that there is nobility in our cause. We don't get this um, conflicted or conduct risk that other banks in the listed sector get. And that's what happens um, where you can get short-termism over long-term um, objectives. And that conduct risk amplifies itself through things like um, that behaviour that we saw exposed through the Royal Commission, where decisions are made that maximises profit um, and the decisions that are consistently made are with profit and shareholders in mind. And that's not always the best outcome for customers and it's not always the best outcome for communities. So we have a much, much longer term view. We don't have analysts um, yeah. breathing down a neck for quarterly results and half yeah, yearly yeah, results. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that the bank is, is any less commercial. It doesn't mean that it's not run um, well. It doesn't mean that it's not supervised. It's supervised exactly the same way that the majors are. We've got every regulation uh, that the majors have applied to us in equal measure. But we do take a customer view in everything we do and therefore we don't have to maximise the profits. We can take a longer term view, we can take a longer term view of our branch networks, our, uh, our, our pricing um, and the way that we support our communities. Mm, very interesting. And so another thing that's interesting about Heritage Bank and you've mentioned it before is that the HQ is in Toowoomba. So not many is, banks yeah. have their headquarters in a non-capital city. So can you speak to this and maybe give us a brief you know, history of Heritage Bank and perhaps some of the benefits of being based in Toowoomba? Well, Heritage Bank goes uh, back to 1875. So yeah, yeah. it's one of the oldest, uh, nearly 150 years old. So it's yeah. one of the oldest, longest serving banking uh, institutions in the country. Um, it was formed uh, from the... Toowoomba Permanent uh, Building Society and Darling Downs Building Society. It's really only had two mergers in its history. So that merge was 1981. Um, and the, the um, 1875 and 1886, I think, was the other one that they were established. Um, operating co-side-by-side uh, co side in Toowoomba for, uh, for a long time, until 1981, uh, well over 100 years and uh, merged in 1981 to become Heritage Building Society um, and in 2011 changed to Heritage Bank um, in, in name. But, you know, it's always been, the origins of that have always been, it's a building society. You want to think about the customer-owned sector, uh, yeah. which, is, which is building societies and credit unions, which yeah. are now in Australia more commonly known as mutual banks. But yeah. their, their basis is the same. So a lot of credit unions started with consumer lending uh, and building societies started with home lending. Mm -hmm. And there were regulations about what you could and couldn't lend um, back in uh, Australian banking regulations that have really only been recently changed in, in the last 30, 40 years. Um, but they're, they're the origins of the customer-owned banking sector. And you can think of it like the original peer-to-peer -peer lender. We matched people that had money um, with people that wanted homes. And that was because there was largely a market failure of 
of major banks at that stage or other banks at that stage not being able to service uh, remote communities yeah. or um, I didn't have the risk appetite to do so. So these things form uh, for that for that reason, the same way as neo banks and other digital banks form now, there is a market niche or market failure that's that's not being addressed. Yeah. Um, so uh, over that time, uh, heritage has flourished um, and gone from strength to strength, but always being located in Toowoomba with the head office uh, in Toowoomba. Now a lot of those regionals are also uh, located outside of the capital cities. In fact, the majority of customer-owned banks are out, uh, are located with their head offices uh, outside. There are some, obviously, in capital cities, but yeah. um, the majority uh, are outside because they've been formed either around geography or, in some cases, the bond of employment. Uh, Places, police, sorry, firemen, nurses, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, or the, or a geography like Newcastle or Rockhampton or something you know like that Tasmania um, places where other banks haven't been um, as prolific and so there's been an opportunity or a need that's been created but having a head office outside of a major capital gives you a different focus um, so you you don't you sorry you do things see things differently than you would on Collins Street or on George yeah, Street. Yeah. So you've just got a different view. You're closer to your customers and particularly with uh, our board, um, you know, they get stopped in the street. Uh, if something's going uh, well or if something's not going well, they'll get asked about it. And then my phone rings to say, what's happening here? Mm. Um, that doesn't seem to be good. So we're closer to the business. We're closer to um, the aspects that are important. I mean, not everybody lives in the regional city. Now, we've got ambitions, of course, to be national. We've merged with People's Choice Credit Union. Yeah. So we've got dual head offices now in Adelaide and in Toowoomba. But mm-hmm. it's really important that we continue to have that regional focus. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you just mentioned that merger with People's Choice. Can you just talk us through that um, quickly? Yeah. So how that it, how that come to happen? Yeah. Well, there's going to be a lot of rationalisation in the sector. The sector had uh, over a couple of hundred um, credit unions and and, uh, building societies in it 10 uh, or so years ago, and that's now down to 60. So there's a lot of smaller rationalisations coming as the cost of regulation increases and the importance of scale, the cost of technology increasing as well. And the importance of scale uh, to um, continue to be able to be competitive and to deliver those um, products and services that I spoke of, um, importantly now through other channels rather than the traditional branch channels, uh, a lot of it now has to be delivered through multiple channels, digital obviously being one of them. Uh, and that, that creates a lot of um, need for investment. So. There are going to be more mergers in the sector, we predict. Um, and we also, uh, in looking at that, thought um, scale for us and our ambitions of getting this model open to more Australians and making the, which I think, compelling proposition more attractive to more Australians, you've mm. got to actually do that on a national scale. So there isn't really... Um, 
a, a true national mutual. There are a couple um, that are starting. Bank Australia is is one. Yeah. Um, great Great Southern Bank uh, is another. But the merge of people's choice and heritage gives us the platform now as the largest at twenty three and a half billion yeah. assets. We've got two thousand people. We've got 95 branches uh, from Northern Territory, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia. So we actually do and are starting to have this national proposition and building and we will introduce a new brand uh, out of this as well. So we will retire Heritage and People's Choice. We'll establish a new brand early next year. Oh, yeah. uh, and that's a national platform that will... Uh, hopefully excite people to say, look, you don't have to bank with a major listed bank. There are alternatives. There is a customer-owned banking model. It is national. It is open. It's not um, It's not restricted to a geography. It's not restricted to a profession. You'll see this brand coming out and a story uh, that starts to amplify the two models that are on offer. Mm. Do you receive, um, I suppose, what's your guys' relationship like with, with some of the major players? How, how do they perceive, I suppose, the emergence of what is a new and different model? I guess they probably, they'll probably target them and position themselves in some different aspects. But do, do you guys speak to them much about, about, um, about the relevance of your model in the, in the new banking world? We, we have a good relationship with the ABA. So through, yeah. through yeah. the Customer Owned Banking Association, have a good relationship with the Australian Banking um, Association, mm. but our, our models are different, and really they are um, vastly different in scale. So whilst we uh, Heritage and People's Choice, uh, as it's as it's now known, that's its legal name, mm. um, we are the tenth largest Australian domestic bank at twenty three point five billion dollars but we're wow. probably a 50th of the size of the of the next smallest big four mm. maybe a 60th of the size of the ANZ so yeah. you know we we are very very small but you can see the opportunity the challenge and the opportunity for that because what that shows you is a tremendous market concentration that sits within those four mm. and that is dangerous I think um, and there is far more um, uh, opportunity and competition, but we've got to just bring that out to people. We've got to make people aware that you, you don't have to be restricted to those four. There are other models out there that mm. are just as safe, just as competitive, regulated in exactly the same way, but there is a model that's more attuned, we think, to people's values. And mm. we, we believe that our proposition uh, hits those values of people that want to align themselves with corporates that do the right thing mm. that will you know you'll never see us in front of the royal commission you never see us doing the wrong thing you never see us trying to maximize profits over the benefit of members yeah we're not saying that there's necessarily a premium for that mm. but when you put two products side by side and you know the proposition we think more people will say you know what i would like to bank with heritage and people's choice rather than bank with one of those other uh, uh, brands. Yeah. And then so since you guys are, you know, a bit smaller, how do you guys view the entrance of like the new players to the market? So obviously the most recent one that got um, its license was Alex Bank. How do you guys view 
those new players coming into the market you spoke before about the, the niche aspects they address yeah just keen to hear yeah. your thoughts on that yeah well yeah there is there's always um the opportunity for uh new entrants but it's hard and yeah. it's takes a lot of capital so for everyone that might be successful there are very many more that, that aren't and you've seen vault give back its banking license ninja um give mm. back its banking license um and a lot of these new players um are very capital intensive and they continue to call on capital injections from their backers um so banking uh isn't isn't easy right? it's a relatively simple model but it's not easy there's a lot of yeah. complexities in it there's a lot of regulation in it and it chews a lot of capital and you need scale so you know these neo banks and new banks um uh, are still um what i'd say wolves in sheep's clothing okay so yeah. they are still for profit um they're uh, investors require a return on the capital that they have invested yeah. and that's not necessarily easy to come by and it will take some time and therefore um their success and we do wish some success but their success um you have to have a fairly patient capital yeah yeah okay, that's been a great um perspective into the mutual bank versus normal banks um peter we really appreciate it so there's a question we always like to ask our guests to finish the interview and it's what advice would you give to a 20-year-old version of yourself? <laughs> um, it, it's very, very simple. I get asked this quite a lot. It's to take um, whatever opportunities you're given, yeah. um, accept them uh, with enthusiasm, uh, be confident in your ability to complete them, and uh, always um, network and uh, keep contact up with people because for everybody that you meet at any stage, um, you come away thinking, I'm not too sure you know, if I got anything out of that. You do. You always get something out of every, every meeting that you have. Um, you leave an impression with people and uh, from that, there's always opportunity. Mm. Just uh, like your Heritage Bank interview, Peter, which you thought yes, was yep. dead in the water. <laughs> Yeah, always opportunity. <laughs> always opportunity. Exactly. Right. Awesome note to end on. Thanks for that, Thanks, Peter. Really, really appreciate your time today. Um, and yeah, yeah, we've certainly learned a lot about the banking, uh, the banking sector, and um, sort of the where you see the potential upside for for customers. And uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Been a pleasure. Thank Thanks, you, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Thank you for listening to the business of. If you enjoyed the show please consider rating and following us on your chosen podcast platform, LinkedIn and Instagram as it helps others find us. 